Hello, and welcome to the Built on Air podcast. Built on Air is a regular podcast where we talk with everyday people and learn about the amazing things they are doing with Airtable. Today's podcast is sponsored by OpenSide, the leading solutions provider for Airtable customers. Check out OpenSide.com to learn more about their products and services that can take your Airtable usage to the next level. Use promo code BUILTONAIR to receive $20 towards any product purchase. Today, our host Zoe speaks with Patrick Ford, a media developer at Anderson University in South Carolina. Patrick works in the makerspace of the Center for Innovation in Digital Learning, or CIDL. There, Patrick pulls from his background in several spheres of design and technology to create learning experiences for students and faculty. The base Patrick shares with us today is a makerspace manager used at CIDL to collect and track bookings, users, machines, available spaces, and includes a reservation system to allow participants to take advantage of the resources CIDL offers. Patrick also makes use of Airtable's blocks feature to create an infographic showing the makerspace stats for a given semester. Hey Patrick, welcome to Built on Air. Thanks so much for being on the show with us today. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Uh, so you and I are both uh, on the East Coast. You're uh, in South Carolina, right, right below me in NC. Um, so tell us a little bit about kind of who you are and what you uh, do at your place of employment, Anderson University. Okay. Um, well, first of all, I guess I should uh, talk about what I kind of what I used to do, and then kind of how that transitioned to what I do now. But Love I started it. out actually as like a media developer. Uh, or actually I graduated with a degree in interdisciplinary studies, um, which a lot of people just assume is kind of like a general studies degree. Um, but uh, fortunately, my the chair of my department saw it as much more than that. He saw it as um, a degree in and of itself. Um, but my concentrations were in broadcast media and business administration, um, which kind of allowed me to combine and blend those two fields in a really kind of unique way. Um, and fresh out of college, I got just kind of one of those jobs that everybody just kind of gets. Um, I was actually making handrails, uh, like wrought iron handrails, uh, working for a company that did that. And um, cool. I started learning CAD and SketchUp and all that kind of stuff. And um, so I learned how to, uh, you know, prototype on 3D printers and uh, do some welding and blacksmithing and all that kind of cool stuff. And, uh, and then the job popped up open at AU. Um, to work in the CIDL, and um, I came on board as a media developer for them, and uh, they said, we're trying to start a makerspace, and uh, they had a 3D printer already. Uh, That was pretty much all they had, and for the first probably year um, of the, quote, makerspace, uh, that 3D printer sat in my office on on like a little end table, and students and faculty would come in and basically use that one 3D printer. but yeah, that's kind of what I do. So I, I uh, do, I'm a media developer, so I handle the website and things like that. And then I also manage the makerspace and all the learning technologies that kind of dwell in that space. Awesome. So I guess kind of diving a little bit deeper into, um, you know, you mentioned CIDL, which for, I'm only going to say this, this handful of words once for our listeners, but that <laughs> is the uh, Center for Innovation and Digital Learning at uh, Anderson University in South Carolina. Yep. Um, so, so tell, I guess, obviously it sounds like from when you first started working there, it's, it's evolved a lot, right? I'm sure, you know, 
it's not just the the little 3D printer on your desk anymore. So tell us a little bit about sort of what uh, CIDL does and what it offers and just like all of the kinds of cool stuff that you guys do. Yes, definitely. I'm uh, happy to always talk about that. Um, <laughs> but uh, so a lot of, there's a lot of confusion. We ha- Even on campus, we have students and, and faculty who come by who are asking like, uh, you know, is this IT and like, yes, we kind of are IT, but we don't handle like the system side of it and the servers and all that kind of stuff. Um, so what we handle is the instructional design side of things. And um, for those of you who don't know what instructional design is, um, it falls into a category of kind of curriculum design, but um, designing a learning experience. Um, so everything that goes into um, operating a course, facilitating a course, whether that be online, seated, uh, or traditional, as some people call it, um, hybrid, blended, it doesn't really matter, competency-based. Um, we're kind of right there in the thick of it, teaching faculty how to integrate technology into their courses, um, uh, helping students uh, with the makerspace, driving you know, uh, adaptation of spaces on campus, um, funding different initiatives and workshops throughout the summer, uh, faculty development, all sorts of different things revolving around pedagogy and teaching and the technology that kind of helps uh, facilitate that. Um, so that's kind of what CIDL does. That sounds amazing. Um, so what kind of, uh, you know, events and, and workshops and stuff do you guys have to kind of, you know, get people's hands dirty and teach them things? Yeah, so uh, that's actually a really good question. We're starting to do more throughout the summer with people in the community, actually. Um, so we had um, a, a Call Me Mr. Camp come and, and uh some kids from some surrounding school districts uh, come and they did uh, basically coding and tech camps all summer or not all summer, but for, for one week out of the summer. And we did um, another one where we had kids uh, from districts come and actually 3d print bubble wands and just do all kinds of cool stuff. Um, And then as far as uh, faculty, we do lots of uh, faculty workshops regarding our learning technology. So um, canvas, which is our learning management system, uh, Zoom, which is actually what we're using now. We teach them how to use that. Um, and then uh, media servers, how to access and use our media server. And then even things like Adobe Spark and other things that we have licenses for um, that are free. And we actually do a little bit of Airtable work with some faculty and some students, depending on uh, what it is that they're working on. So do you get a lot of um, students coming in who are interested in sort of, you know, like the... Because it seems to me like this makerspace and this, I mean, you know, it's tech oriented and some tutorials, but I imagine that you you guys also have a lot of people involved that kind of have like a maker entrepreneurial type vision, right? So um, what what is it like working with, you know, students that have ideas like that or kind of... Oh my gosh, yeah. Um, so one of the things that we try, that we try to do is... Um, ask a lot of questions of, of students who come in and use it. Cause you know, they're part of it is just exposure, right? Um, a lot of students don't know what to do because they don't know what they can do. Yeah. And so that's a lot of a massive part of, of getting students active and engaged and being creative and, and that entrepreneurial mindset that you're talking about. Um, so part of that is just awareness. So from, you know, AR and VR, um, you know, extended reality type stuff, um, we actually just got our, our Oculus Quests in today, so we're really excited about that. Nice. Very nice. You know, we've got 3D printers and laser cutters um, and uh, laminate cutters and a media studio, um, podcast booth, just all kinds of 
crazy stuff in there. Um, and sometimes when you tell them, uh, they don't, when you tell them that you have that stuff, they don't quite realize what they can do with it. Um, and so once you kind of explain, you know, what, what's possible, uh, they're able to kind of take that and run with it. Uh, just a quick example. Um, there was a kinesiology student who, um, actually wanted to study the effects of orthotics. So like Dr. Scholl's in, uh, shoe inserts and things like that. Um, she wanted to f- study the effect of those on knee pain, uh, like impact exercises, because most of the time those are apparently directed towards endurance, more endurance, uh, activities. Um, and she wanted to study, you know, how, you know, when people jump and when they, uh, land on certain things. Um, and so rather than buy a bunch of these really expensive in in custom insoles for her research group, um, she actually, she and her professor actually came by and said, is it possible for us to 3d print these? Nice. Uh, So I said, I don't know, but together we can kind of figure it out. Um, and so we had a, we had an iPad scanner actually, um, we're a one-to-one iPad school, uh, university, but we had an iPad scanner and she used that to scan a foam impression. And then she was able to edit the scan and then 3d print that on a 3d printer. Um, and that's actually what she does for a living now, which is, Oh my gosh, that's Um, crazy. That's so cool. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that kind of, um, just kind of telling them what's possible kind of gets their juices flowing. Um, and they're able to usually take that and run with it. Um, but as with, as with students, it's the same with faculty. Um, a lot of times you just kind of got to get them thinking about what's possible. Um, and I will mention that it's not always about, uh, the machine or the end product. Um, we really try and focus on, you know, the process that they use to get there. Um, so design thinking, critical thinking, uh, problem-based learning. Um, those are all different, you know, pedagogical strategies that we try and use and, and foster in the makerspace. Um, because I mean, how do you teach somebody to be creative? It's not something that you can teach in a classroom. It's something that people have to use problems to kind of figure out. Um, so that's what we try to foster. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, so much when I think back on my college experience, like a lot of the time, like you were talking about just just learning what is possible because you don't know a lot of the time, the the things, the classes that I would find most fulfilling were like random ones that I took, like, you know, just to like fill a slot or whatever. And then it just ended up being like, an amazing experience because I was just learning about all of this stuff I didn't know was possible. So it's it's also just really cool. You have like the, the sort of process like non-classroom version of that right where you can be like hey what what do you want to do like what are you interested in like insoles okay cool we'll do this um so I love that sort of just uh because I think that's really what college part of it is about right it's like being able to kind of like explore stuff like that in like a low stakes environment where hey if you mess up or it doesn't go anywhere you realize you don't like it whatever you take the class or you take the workshop and you're like hey that was cool but next thing, you know, you don't really get as much of a, an opportunity to do that. I think once you, you know, have finished your degree and you're a real fully formed adult human who, you know, doesn't have as many of those resources. Right. So uh, students then do, do they like, can, do you guys offer, you know, semester long classes at the CIDL or is it just kind of anyone can come in at any time and check it out? Um, yeah, so we don't offer specific classes through the, through the CIDL. Um, we do offer a graduate program. Um, it's actually a master of science in instructional design and learning technology. So if instructional design or, you know, makerspaces or, um, 
you know, emerging trends in education is kind of your thing. Um, that's a, it's a graduate degree that's, that's open um, to kind of explore that and, and dive deeper into that. Um, Cause it's like you said, and it's, and it's like I just said, I didn't even know that instructional design was a thing. Um, right. And, and it's been around officially since the forties. Um, so uh, part of that is just, you know, getting to know what's out there. And, um, but yeah, we, we do offer a degree um, in that, but not specific classes. Uh, we have training courses um, that we've kind of set up, or I'm, I'm actually still working on a few of them. Um, but we have training courses for specific machines in the makerspace and kind of training videos and things like that um, for students and faculty to use. Um, so those training courses are kind of primarily how we um, educate that. And we do a lot of uh, just kind of face-to-face, um, very informal um, kind of hangouts and things like that um, with students and with faculty as well. Awesome. Yeah, I think it, it really, the whole sort of, you know, design thinking type pedagogy stuff, it, it really is sort of, I think it's it's easy, especially, you know, in our modern world today, right? Humans create things that when, when other humans use them, it's like, this really wasn't, like, this wasn't built well for humans. Like, why did a human yes. build this? Because it's, yeah. it makes no sense. Like, um, so I love how, it, yeah, it just very sort of research focused and, and thinking sort of outside, you know, the box of what, how something might be typically set up, right. To actually be able to see, well, how do people learn best? Like what, yes. what really makes things stick. Right. Um, and I think that is just so relevant now, especially since college is sort of starting to get this, you know, reputation as something that like costs a lot of money and, may or may not actually be worth all the student loans you have. So yeah, I love it. That, that's a good point. Um, you've got, you know, exactly. So uh, an, an emerging trend in actually higher ed is modularized learning. So how can we make it more personal? Because for one, not everybody is the same. And for two, uh, learning is not necessarily linear. Um, right. So a lot of times you have to, uh, you've got, you know, competency-based education, um, uh, like flex degrees and things like that. Um, which we offer a few of um, that are trying to kind of re kind of change the way people think about education um, kind of away from the traditional sense of like making cogs in a wheel kind of idea or cogs in a machine um, to really push students to be more creative um, and to, you know, find out that linear is not just in school, you're going to be doing this for the rest of your life. So how can we give you the best tools to facilitate that and to, to deal with, you know, 21st century skills that are needed. Absolutely. Yeah. I love that philosophy. That's so true. Like, I mean, when I think about, you know, just working in Airtable, right. And workflow and systems design, like those apps, like when I graduated college, like that didn't really even exist. Right. So it's like, um, it's kind of wild to think about. I mean, there is, you I'm, there's some statistic, I'm not going to quote it because I don't remember the percentage, but it's like some significant percentage of, you know, students who, like enter college, right. We'll get jobs that don't exist yet, you know, which is yes, uh, yeah. crazy. I don't know the exact percentage, so I'm not going to, I could throw out a number. It's high. Say, it's yeah. high. It's a high percentage. Yes. We'll leave it at that. But yeah, that's kind of stuff is just so um, interesting to think about. And I, and I think also, you know, when you are going through college, you don't really 
think about things that way. Like there's so many new experiences that you're not necessarily thinking about the the value of them, but it's like to have a makerspace like this where you can go and actually learn those, those skills that will benefit you more than you really understand, you know, once you graduate and move into the workforce, it's just really, really cool. Um, so I guess the pending question, right, that I ask everyone is, how did you find Airtable? How does Airtable factor into all of this other awesome stuff that you're doing? Yeah, I, I'm, I'm a little bit of a nerd. So I, I love stuff like Airtable. Um, I love making things work together that shouldn't work together. Um, and that seems really convoluted and kind of stupid. But, um, you know, uh, I, I actually found it through uh, IFT. I don't know how you say it, but I have have triple T. Then that, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I actually, I kept seeing it in all of these articles because I I was getting into this uh, smart home craze um, and I kept seeing people reference this if, if, if everywhere. And I was like, what is this? What is if? Um, So finally, I just broke down and, and, you know, did what everybody does and did a quick Google search and found out that it's a if this, then that. I said, I know what that is. My dad's a PLC programmer. Um, it's the basics of logic and code, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, I kind of explored and I, I looked through their different services that they had. Um, and I guess this was probably back in maybe late 2016, something like that. And um, and uh, I, I saw Airtable in the list. And um, back then, I if didn't have near as many services as they do now. So I was kind of clicking on each one. I was kind of absorbed into this rabbit hole of learning where you just kind of like lose track of time, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, I, so I clicked on Airtable and I noticed that uh, it, it's, it called it a relational database. Well, the only, the only uh, experience that I had had with databases was Microsoft Access. And that sucked. I, right, I yeah. Not... Uh, not alluring at all. <laughs> oh, no. And, um, and so I said, well, you know, I'll, I'll at least see what it is because it's got a cool logo and it's got a cool name. So maybe they've reinvented it somehow. So I started checking it out. And the more I saw um, kind of the templates that they had, that's kind of what drew me in, right, was the templates. Uh, and, and so I started playing around with those and just making like little to-do lists. And um, I would create shopping lists and things like that. And uh, so uh, as I dove deeper, I found out about Zapier and Integromat and how I could link Airtable to different things. Um, And so it was just a, it was just a big uh, black hole of information that I was excited to, to learn about. Right. Yeah. And it all, you're like, oh, well, I've discovered this. Oh, well, what's this? Like, yes. So many tabs open at once, but yeah, no, that's my kind of favorite way to like research and understand software too. You just like dive and go wherever you feel like clicking and understanding. Um, and so you actually use, you mentioned, you know, you do a little bit of Airtable training, but you have a base that you built personally to kind of help manage the flow of everything that you're keeping track of um, at the makerspace. So um, I guess maybe just give us a little bit of an intro about that before we have you launch your demo. Yeah. So um, one of the things that I was really frustrated with is that, um, so makerspaces are essentially co-working spaces. Um, and with a co-working space, uh, there's a numerous different softwares out there who shall remain nameless. Um, but there's numerous ones out there that kind of facilitate co-working environments. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they're like astronomically expensive. Um, and so as I started looking into it, it was like, yeah, if you want to use, you know, if you want to have 20 users, it's going to be $40 a month per user 
you know, and I'm like, well, we have a, we have a, a on-campus student population of over 2000 students. Like that's just, it's not possible. Right. Uh, they were to all show up tomorrow and say, yeah, I want to use the makerspace. We'd go bankrupt, you know? Um, and they have enterprise plans, but it's just, I don't know. It's, it's still going to be a lot more expensive than, than me paying, you know, whatever it is, 20, $29 a month, $25 a month, uh, for Airtable, right. uh, to, to make it work. So I basically built a base, uh, for the makerspace for students to reserve machines. Um, and then eventually in the future, as we grow and grow, you know, bigger, and I have more of these training courses put in place, it will be a way for them to track, um, you know, who has, who's been certified on a given machine. And then also, um, should we ever want to, uh, keep, material inventory on hand. It's, it's a way for us to track what's been used and how much has been used. Um, uh, so it's very scalable and adaptable in that way. That's, that's one of the reasons why I wanted to build it on Airtable is because it's so versatile that no matter what I wanted to do with it or, you know, what happened to come along, I would be able to just kind of integrate it right into Airtable. Um, Absolutely. We tried using Sketa, um, which is a really good software. Um, but one of the things that we were kind of frustrated or that I was frustrated with at least um, was just the fact that you had to pay per space. Well, we had like, uh, now I think we've got like 12 different things that you can reserve uh, 12 or 13 things that you can reserve. So um, I would have had to pay, you know, $5 per space. Um, and then I also was, wasn't able to gather as much data um, uh, about who was using it and all of that kind of stuff. Um, as well. And um, I've got an infographic that when I, when I do the, the screen share, I, I can show everybody just how Airtable enables us to gather lots of user data off of that um, and able to improve the, ma- the makerspace even more based off of that data. Right. Which undoubtedly you've presented that infographic at like talks or to the school or something, right? That's what I love. Like you always have to provide documentation, right? In higher learning always. Um, So yeah, why don't you go ahead and share your screen with us and kind of walk us through the base and that wonderful uh, infographic. Um, I'm just reminiscing upon university life and, you know, it's, it's not real, right? Until you give data and then present it to someone with some kind Absolutely. of Absolutely. Um, <laughs> <laughs> It's part of being an academic, right? Yes. <laughs> so um, this is uh, this is kind of the basis that we have. Uh, I, I also use it. We use it for course reviews as well in, in instructional design. So um, faculty have to um, do course reviews, especially for online uh, courses, um, and we track that as well. Um, so it sends out reminders, uh, to the faculty and to the instructional designer that's assigned to that course. Um, so that when it's time for that course to be up for review, it automatically sends out, um, a notification to them so that they can review their, that course, that particular course. Awesome. So that's what the course reviews are, but I'll, I'll go into the makerspace manager copy here. Um, this is a scrubbed version, obviously. Um, but if we go to bookings here, I've got several different um, uh, bookings here from this past semester. Uh, this is just this semester, and we've had, uh, let's see, 389 bookings in one nice. semester, um, which is pretty good. And uh, in, that, in the infographic, I can show you kind of the increase that we've seen. But cool. how this is set up is uh, we've got, you know, obviously a user's table, um, and they fill this out with just a, a user registration form. Um, and once they do that, they, they just do that once. 
And um, there's actually a, a, a waiver that they, that they have to uh, see and fill out, and that's part of the form as well. I can show you that. Um, so this is the user registration form here, and they just kind of select, uh, you know, their, they put in their first name and their last name, their email, their role. And then um, we thought it'd be a good idea to track the majors that are using our, um, the makerspace so that we, can, we know to reach out to one college or another um, for those that may uh, not be engaged yet. Um, so we have a waiver checkbox, kind of a digital signature kind of thing. Um, and then they can upload a profile picture that just kind of helps us put a name with a face there. Um, we also have a machines and spaces tab here where we've got all of our machines listed the, that they can reserve. And also the number of bookings in total that each, that each machine has reserved within a given time period, um, which is obviously set up here. Um, and the main kind of bread and butter of it is this reservation uh, table here. Um, underneath here, we've got uh, the reservation form, which is actually embedded on our website um, directly. Uh, so it asks who is using the space of the machine and, and they can go in and, and basically choose their name here. The one thing that I don't like about that is that people can technically choose another person. Right. It hasn't happened yet, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if it did. Um, right. They're like, oh, I don't feel like creating a new user. I'll just use so-and-so's. Yes. Yes. Oh. Um, so that is something that, that we're trying to think about. Um, obviously you can't submit passwords or anything like that through Airtable. Um, so we're trying to, you know, think about how to make that a little bit more robust. Mm -hmm. um, they would select what machine they're wanting to use. Um, and then when they would like to use it. So they would select that and for how long, and this is just a duration field. And then this notes thing, actually, I have an Integromat, um, integration that basically, if this is filled in, uh, that comes directly to my email and to the student workers email so that we know to meet them back in the makerspace to help them with whatever it is that they're working on. Cool. Um, and then over here, um, the website or the, I'm sorry, the calendar is also, um, embedded on the, on the website as well. So you can see this is actually the last week of school here. I'll go to the, the week, the week view here. And, um, so students actually, they just, they look at this and they kind of see which spaces are open. Um, and then they'll fill out the, the machine reservation form based off of this data. Except I think the one on the website is actually just a three day view. Um, and a lot of people ask about, um, uh, double bookings, mm -hmm. um, which we've actually, um, eliminated using Integromat via a series of like filters and things like that. Um, if it's the same person, it's going to allow them to double book. But if the person is different and the machine is the same and it's the same time or the, the times, you know, overlap in, in, in any way, uh, it'll basically delete that reservation and send them an email that says, Hey, this reservation's no good. Go back and look at the calendar and select another time. Cool. Um, but yeah, that's kind of the basics of it. Um, uh, of the, of the air table, at least, um, the, Integromat integration, uh, this is, if you've never seen, uh, if the viewers have never seen Integromat, this is kind of the dashboard. Um, these are our course review notifications. Um, this is the, the notes one that I just mentioned where it comes, if they need help, it sends it to me. Um, and then this is our reservation integration right here. Um, and it looks kind of uh, convoluted and it kind of is. Uh, it didn't, it wasn't a quick thing to set up, I'm not gonna lie. But um, it's a whole lot easier than having to code your own massive app. Absolutely. 
which I'm not a coder. Um, and I tell, I tell people that, that, you know, I don't know any code. I don't know a coding language. Uh, I kind of know some basic syntax of how things should go together. Um, but if I can do this, anybody can do this. I'm pretty confident about that. Right um, on. But based off of different, uh, based off of different criteria, these filters here, uh, each reservation, this is the trigger right here. And each reservation goes a different route based on different criteria. Um, so if it's a, if somebody is changing their reservation from the email, it's going to go this way. Uh, if they've canceled it from the email, it's going to go this way. Um, uh, if it's a, if it's a double booking, or I'm sorry, if it's canceled, it's going to go this way. If it's a double booking, it's going to go this way. And, um, and if it's a, if it's a good booking and everything checks out, it just goes right on through and it sends them a confirmation email. And, uh, I would encourage people, if you want to use it, feel free to go on the website and just test it out and see, uh, you'll get, you can get an email just like everybody else. And, uh, yeah, I'd be happy to have you have anybody come over and, and check it out. Cool. Yeah. That's really awesome. I wish I were like a little bit closer to you so I could go ahead and check out the makerspace. Um, it just sounds like such a cool, like also your job too, because you kind of like, you know, it sounds like you get to spend some time, right. Doing workshops, hanging out with students, like being on the floor. And then also you get to step back and do, you know, really cool stuff like this, where you're kind of thinking logically about, you know, what do we need to offer people? What kind of experience do we need to bring them through our systems to make that smooth and, and not annoying? Um, so this is just really cool. Oh, and show us your infographic, please. I would yes. love to see um yeah, I'd love to show you that. Um, actually, I guess I guess I'll show you this first. Uh, this is our website. Uh, I actually just finished redesigning it like this week. Oh, congratulations! It's brand new. Thank you. Yes, it's been a it's been a task. But um, under spaces here, uh, I would encourage anybody to go to go check this out. All the information about our department is on there. Kind of what we do. Um, but under spaces here, under the makerspace, um, you can kind of you know you can't uh, make it to campus to kind of check things out. Um, there's uh, the policy and the waiver registering as a user. And then there's all the, all the different tools that are available to students um, where they can reserve it or train, get training on how to use it. Um, so there's that. And then also uh, underneath here is the um, reservation page. And this is kind of what this looks like. Um, this takes into a, new user res registration. I've uh, got an FAQ here, which I'm still building out. And then this is the calendar that I was talking about. So they're able to kind of check and scroll through and find a date that works best for them. Mm -hmm. um, you can see that uh, I think April is pretty. Yeah. So this is April, um, just one week in April. Oh, wow. Um, so quite a few reservations there. And then once they kind of find a slot that works best for them, they'll just go down here and fill out the reservation form and hit submit and it sends them an email. Um, but that's what it looks like on the website. Um, the infographic, let me see if I can switch, let me switch what I'm sharing here. So the infographic looks uh, kind of like this. Um, we've got stats and all of this is pulled from the blocks feature of Airtable, which I absolutely love. Like the blocks feature is just fantastic. Um, the one thing that I don't like about the blocks feature is that it's not embeddable. You can't take those views and then, you know, export them as PNGs or export them um, as HTML uh, code and embed it on a website. Right. Hopefully that'll come. But uh, yeah, I, I think they like now you can embed blocks, but I think it gives users access to the entire base and it's like, yeah. No, yeah. 
like yeah not not to put a nice infographic on my website um yes so yeah no i totally agree like you're, you're like this is really great let me put it in all of the other formats that i need this information to be into yes um but but it, i mean the blocks are great for um uh, you know having that data and, and gathering that data absolutely um, and so that's where the, that's where these graphs come from um so the uh, these are just from this past semester, um, and you can see that the new users over time for our makerspace has increased. So in fall of 2017, we didn't really have any users because we weren't measuring anything. Um, and in spring, uh, we added, uh, I think this is like 54 or something like that, new users. Uh, fall of 18, we added, you know, it's it's kind of gone up exponentially. And this year, I think we added 102 Wow. So I think this was 72 last semester and 102. And that's not total amount of users. That's how many we added that semester. Right on. Um, and this is kind of a breakdown of users by major. Um, so we've got, you know, uh, education, interior design, theater, and art. Those are kind of our department or our, our, uh, colleges that have, that I know have specific uh, projects revolving around the makerspace. Um, and uh, we just started tracking this this semester, so I'm really curious to see what happens as different courses are offered throughout different semesters. Awesome. Um, uh, these are kind of our overall user demographics here. So 88% um, of our users are students and 8% are faculty. Um, and then the other 4% uh, are either staff like me, I'm, I'm a staff member, um, or other like former students or uh, district partners, um, people like that. Um, we have 228 total users. Um, these are this is kind of a breakdown of reservations by machine and space. Um, I will I will make a note here that the Oculus Rifts we have two of those and those are kind of lumped together. Um, so this is kind of not really comparable uh, with the rest of the machines there. Um, but these are the top performers. All the rest had 10 or less um, reservations. Um, and then the most reservations. Uh, we had a student who uh, this, he reserved uh, uh, had 27 reservations in one semester, so he was quite quite the busy. Oh beat. my gosh! Yeah, um, he he loved there. it. He loved it. Um, so I think we might have to offer him like a student worker position before long, because um, yeah, right. You're like you spent so much time here anyway. Would you yeah. have to get paid for it? Okay, cool. Um, we had 27. Uh, a little over 2,700 hours of total reservation time. So this is the combination of all time uh, reserved uh, for machines. Um, and then, like I said, 102 new users there. Um, but Airtable is fantastic. I, I love it for gathering this kind of data, this kind of uh, data, and we can use it for, you know, any number of things. And it, and it helps our case that we can present this data and say, people are using the space, um, and not only are they using it, but we're adding, you know, it's exponentially growing in usage as well. So, Right. Absolutely. And it's just like you mentioned, really easy too. then if, you know, you get a new machine or there's another facet that you want to track. It's Airtable is just so flexible to add that stuff in there, absolutely. start collecting data on it. Um, and yeah, I think that is really also the, the great thing about Airtable is you can make, you know, more polished looking things like this. And then if you just want some quick and dirty stats, you can, you know, even just do groupings within a table, right? And yes. see the total. So it's just, it really is super flexible and functional just for you being in it, looking at data and then also, you know, presenting it at a higher level like is like you have here. Um, very cool.
now I'm like, I wish I had had a maker space when I went to school. Um, this just seems like such a cool program that you guys have going on. Yes. It's, it's been well-received and, um, I, I hope that we can, you know, continue to grow it. Um, we've been able to, you know, purchase new equipment and all that kind of stuff year over year. So, um, it's, from what I understand, we're kind of an anomaly in the liberal arts, um, institution, mm-hmm. uh, grouping, uh, because very few liberal arts colleges actually have a makerspace and those that do definitely, there's definitely not as big as ours is. Um, so we're very fortunate in that regard. But. Well, thank you so much, Patrick, for chatting with us about, um, you know, all of the cool machines you have going on and like all of the weird and interesting opportunities that you're giving everyone. And then also your beautiful Airtable base and infographic, right? Um, It was such a pleasure to chat with you and best of luck uh, with CIDL moving forward as you guys continue to grow. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thanks for, thanks for having me on. I was excited to, to be a part of it.